Hello and welcome to another episode of TOTS. I'm your host, Ben Gardner. Today on the show, we have Robbie Quinn. He's a pilot and unofficial pizza delivery flyer. Robbie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ben. Absolutely. So start off by telling me a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do day to day. Yeah, so uh, my name's Robbie Quinn, and uh, currently I'm actually a full-time student at Bowling Green State University studying uh, aviation. But um, on my spare time, um, I usually head home on the weekends. And right now, uh, during the winter season, when we don't have a ferry boat running, uh, that also entails taking food home to Kelly's Island for all the islanders on Fridays. Very cool. So tell me about Kelly's Island. Where is it located and, and what's the story with it? Yeah, so Kelly's Island is actually part of uh, northern Ohio. Um, we're right up against the border of Canada. Um, I'm pretty sure I could spit on Canada from my house. Um, about four miles from the border from my house and from the northernmost point of the island, probably a mile and a half or two miles. Um, we're out in Lake Erie. Uh, we are not attached by any land, any bridge any tunnel, despite the rumors. Um, the only way to get to <laughs> Kelly's Island is via airplane or boat. Okay, so you guys are, you're pretty cut off from the rest of uh, Ohio then. Absolutely. Um, I, I refer to the rest of Ohio or um, the rest of the United States, for that matter, as the quote-unquote mainland. Ah, the mainland, yes, where I live. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, in, in an effort to live out on Kelly's Island, you guys need to receive, I guess, boatloads or in some cases, plane loads of supplies, food, random things like that. I mean, do you guys get like Amazon packages and things like that out there still, or how does yes. that work? So we do get Amazon packages out on Kelly's Island. Uh, they get delivered via the local airline during the winter and via the ferry boat during the summer. Um, but usually, you know, prime shipping doesn't really actually end up being two-day shipping. You know, at, at any given time, you probably add a day or two or three on that. Oh, that, I mean, that's not as bad as I thought it would be. I, I don't know if I would pay for prime at that point, but uh, a couple of days extra and living out in the middle of a lake, I, that's not that bad. But uh, yeah. you guys do need a lot of things, um, you know, kind of shipped in there. And, uh, that's really how I found you. I found you on TikTok. You're doing a video that I want to talk about in a little bit, but how many people live on Kelly's Island? Is it a super populated place? Is it just like for people to go and live kind of like in summer or winter homes? How does that work? So, um, Kelly's Island, its population, uh, fluctuates, uh, pretty drastically between the summer and winter months. Um, during the summer months, there's probably about 2000 residents on the island. Um, and during the winter months, I'd estimate currently that there's probably about 150 residents. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's a huge drop off in the winter. Yeah. So is that because like Erie freezes and, and it's just kind of hard to live out there? Or what's what's the reasoning for that? Um, so there's a number of factors that play into that. Uh, a, during the winter, it's obviously much more difficult to get to Kelly's Island. Um, a lot of people up there just have summer homes for during the summer. Um, and the other thing is there's no year round industry on Kelly's Island. Uh, they used to be offset by the fact that there was a limestone quarry on the Island, which was year round industry. But, um, now the only true industry on the Island is tourism. Okay, cool. So what do people go to Kelly's Island to, to see, or 
Do they just take tours? Is there any historical significance of it? Um, there's a little bit of historical si- significance around the island. Um, the, the Lake Erie Islands in general were actually the staging grounds or uh, the battlegrounds for the War of 1812. Um, though that's not really widely talked about. Um, you know, m- most of the tourism there is just people out enjoying the weather, out enjoying the lake. Um, we have a number of restaurants downtown that are open during the summer, none of which are open during the winter. Um, people rent golf carts to drive around the island and see all the sights. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's awesome. That seems like a really cool place to be. Um, and you were telling me a little bit earlier that your dad actually used to live on the island full time and, and you and your family, and he used to fly every day to work. So tell me a little bit about that, because that's kind of foreign to me. Yeah, so that's actually, um, that's still true to this day um, when he's not in Florida now. Um, But when he's here in Ohio, um, be it during the winter or summer, uh, to get to his office on what I refer to as the mainland, um, (laughs) that entails about a uh, roughly eight to 10 minute commute from our house to uh, Port Clinton Airport on the mainland. And then from there to his office is probably another about 20 minute drive. So all in all, you know, he can expect to have 35, maybe 40 minutes wrapped up in his commute every day. Wow. Okay. And you also mentioned that you became a pilot when you were pretty young. You've been flying for as long as you can remember. So did your dad help start that kind of passion for aviation? Yeah, absolutely. So um, like I said, I've been flying as long as I can remember. Um, when I really got into it more though, was, uh, when we stopped going to school on Kelly's Island, uh, because the school was shrinking, I was in, uh, second grade during my last year of school on Kelly's Island. Uh, in third grade, we started, uh, we, as in my younger sister and I started going to school on the mainland and we would just commute back and forth with my dad every day. So it was in third grade. Um, when he effectively taught me how to fly. By the end of third grade, um, I was flying from the left seat and he was just kind of watching to make sure that I didn't mess up. Wow. So I'm assuming this is one of those planes where you have two different, uh, you know, control sticks. Is that that what you call it? I feel like I'm saying Um, two different yolks, two different controls, two different yolks. um, Yeah. yeah, Any, any of those terms are fine. Um, Okay. Yeah. And, as a matter of fact, most every plane has two sets of controls. I Yeah, see, I, I have this habit on the show of I'll say something that sounds like, oh, like that's an interesting thing to point out. And then um, it's either completely false or, it's, or yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had an interview with a Secret Service agent and we were trying different uh, exotic jerkies of different weird animals. And I got on this tangent about prosciutto. I don't know why, but I was convinced that it was from like wild boar in Italy. I, I don't know, but yes. Okay. So by third grade, the end of third grade, you were learning how to fly. You were in the, uh, the co pilot's chair. That makes sense. And you were basically flying the plane and he was making sure that you didn't do anything wrong. That's not super typical. And I don't think that's just from like my very limited experience of people who fly themselves places, but you know, you were really young when you learned how to fly. Yeah, no, what, that, did that cause any issues for you? No, no, um, not at all. I, 
I don't think at any point could I say that flying has caused me an issue other than the um, phenomenal expense that I have occur, uh, incurred on myself uh, in, in my desires to fly. Um, you know, my, my dad and I, we always joke that it would be much cheaper if I just had a drinking problem or a drug problem. But <laughs> he, he was blessed enough to have uh, a son who has a flying problem. Um, but no, in, in no way has, has flying hindered me, I think. Yeah, I just think learning how to do something that most people would consider um, like an adult activity or, or something that you, you definitely pick up when you're old enough, air quotes. I'm, I'm not a huge believer in, you know, you need to be old enough to do something necessarily. But I mean, that has to be just an incredible way to grow up. I, you must have been the coolest kid at school. Um, it was it was definitely a a very unique way to grow up. And when I talk to people about uh, the way that I grew up, I always uh, say that I'm glad that everything happened the way it did um, because it's made me into exactly who I am today. Uh, so you know, the time that I spent going to school on Kelly's Island, uh, which was an extremely small school, I might add. Uh, you know, I, I don't know when you went to high school, how many kids were in your class? I had probably 300. And so out of the whole school, we probably had like 1400 kids. So if I told you that Kelly's Island school had 25 kids, not in my class, but in preschool through grade 12. A little different. Yeah. Yep. Little, little really bit of a bad. difference there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I went to school on Kelly's Island where I had 25 kids. Um, preschool to grade 12. So in short, there was almost, uh, you had to make friends with everybody. Um, you had to get along with everybody. Um, so where that translated over, interestingly for me is when I started going to school on the mainland, um, you know, whereas kids my age would be inclined to just hang around kids, their age, I would hang around just about anybody. Um, and you know, where this translates over really interestingly is um, when I went to school on the mainland and when we started living over there during the school year, there was a small donut shop right across the uh, street from the school that I went to. And I, at eight years old, took an affinity to uh, biking to the donut shop every morning so that I could, A, have two donuts before I went to school, and B, talk politics with all the uh, old retired guys. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I think, again, like, I feel like we're picking up on very early on, you learn these lessons that most people don't pick up until later. Like, I mean, first and foremost, how to fly, right? And then second of all, like, how to get along with anybody of, of any age and any background. And I think that's super valuable. Like, has that, have you noticed now that you're in college, that's translated over really well um, for making friends at, at school? I mean, obviously, we're in a pandemic, but but before that, has that been valuable for you? Absolutely. I think that, um, like I said earlier, the sum of all my experiences have uh, caused me to be the person I am today. And that goes in how I go about socializing with people and how I make or how I interact with people and how I uh, am able to make connections with people that, you know, ordinarily, maybe somebody my age would brush off or, you know, say, ah, that's just, that's unconventional or, you know, any other number of things. Yeah, no, I, I totally see that. Um, so to go back to the flying, 
again, sure. how, let's, let's talk about how I found you and, and what I saw about you. Okay. So I was on TikTok, and uh, listeners who have been here for a while know that I used to have an extreme hatred for TikTok uh, and swore up and down that I would never get it. Here I am selling out. Okay. I got TikTok and I've had it for a few months. And I think you popped up on my For You page. And I just saw this kid and he was like, yeah, you know, like I'm doing this and I'm delivering pizzas with my plane. And I was like, oh, like it's it's like a stunt. Like he's, you know, he's doing like like a wacky little, you know, like some influencer would be like, yeah, I got my uh, pizzas delivered by plane, like something like that. And then I started looking into your profile and I finished that video and I was like, oh, no, wait, like he's he's delivering pizza to people that like would not be able to, especially in the winter, like enjoy Domino's pizza or, or something like that through their unofficial pizza delivery flyer. Um, and, and you've also done some really cool stuff. But so tell me a little bit more about delivering pizzas by plane. Like I biggest thing I'm thinking of right now is they can't be warm when you land, right? That That's too, you're up in the air. It's freezing cold. Like how does all this work? Um, so I, I am speaking directly from experience when I say that when I deliver those pizzas, they are still steaming hot. Wow. Um, okay. That there is, there is no debate for that. I mean, when, uh, when I was, you're trying to protect your, your title here. Yeah. You're the yeah. best pizza delivery flyer out there. You're always on time. They're hot. Hey, look, you're, you're damn right. I wouldn't deliver a cold pizza. All right. If I went to deliver a cold pizza, I could just bring over frozen pizzas and tell them to go cook them themselves. Yep. But no, you know, we're bringing over something that, uh, that people don't have to do anything for, you know, this is, this is really exciting to a lot of people on the Island because, uh, during the winter, they are basically restricted to cooking at home or going to uh, the VFW, provided that they're members, uh, and having either on Wednesday or Thursdays or Fridays, they have hot dogs and hamburgers, uh, and they have like three limited item, uh, limited menu items that they usually cycle through. So there's not a whole lot going on on Kelly's Island during the winter. So just the concept of fresh, hot Domino's pizza is extremely exciting. And I get a lot of comments on the video like, oh, well, this is great, but why Domino's pizza? Um, (laughs) When I tell you that uh, this, I mean it. I mean, it's just even the notion of just Domino's pizza is exciting. I mean, sure, I could try and coordinate with a nicer restaurant, um, but honestly, Domino's has just been so great. Everything about working with Domino's works out for me. Um, For starters, pizza boxes. Um, heavy duty cardboard, um, modular, everything fits like a glove in the airplane. Um, you know, whereas I, I did one weekend where we did Mexican food, um, and they used like the metal, um, delivery trays with the plastic. Oh, the catering trays. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Well, they weren't catering. They were more individual size, but bottom line, total mess compared to Domino's pizza boxes. Are you saying that the the Mexican food did it spill in the plane while you're flying? No, no, it didn't okay. spill. Um, I had it boxed up in cardboard boxes as well. But like some of it, um, like some of the food stacked on top of each other caused the uh, the metal pans or tin pans to like flex and you know change shape. Whereas with the cardboard, that's just not an issue at all. Furthermore, uh, you know, Domino's also gave me. Uh, about a dozen 
oven bags to use for my own personal use whenever I'm flying stuff back and forth. But also uh, during these deliveries, they give me uh, the large event sized boxes, which can carry like a dozen pizzas. Oh, wow. Um, So from the time that I'm actually picking up the pizzas on the mainland uh, to the time that they're getting to the island, the only diff the time difference is like 30 minutes. Okay. So, so how long is that total, that total process from picking them up from the store to getting them into the hands of the hungry island people? 30 minutes, 30 minutes total. 30 minutes. That's quicker than I get pizza and I live on the damn mainland. So (laughs) this is the beauty of it. I, I mean, I've, I've got this process uh, down to somewhat of a science. Clearly. Uh, so, and like I said, for Domino's, this just works out better than anyone else. Um, the Domino's that I use is two miles, two and a half miles from the airport. It's a five minute drive. Um, so what we do, this is, uh, this is very unconventional, but I was telling you earlier that I use social media to tell people on the island that you know, this is what we're doing. And this was what restaurant we're using this week. Right. Um, we have a Facebook group called Kelly's Island Yard Sale. Um, this is pretty self-explanatory. It is for people to sell their junk or give away the craft that they don't want or any other number of things yard sale related. This is what you use. The thing is, I realized that everybody on the islands in this Facebook group. Ah, uh, okay. So um, I just use it as a as my public forum to reach everybody. Um, so what I usually do uh, is, hey, I you know let the restaurant that I'm using that week know, hey, this is what we're doing. Uh, there's obviously a lot of coordination beforehand with the restaurant, um, and then you know I say, what's the what's the latest time that people can order from you if I'm picking up food at five o'clock? Um, Domino's the first time they said. Uh, 2 p.m. and we pretty much stuck with that. Um, it's not that they have to start cooking the pizzas though at two o'clock. Uh, Domino's has so much cooking capacity that you know we're able they're able to cook 50 or 60 food items um, wow. in about an hour. Uh, so they're not actually starting to cook orders until four o'clock, which works out as well when um, something happens like last weekend. The flight I did, I actually was delayed a day on that. Um, I did that on Saturday because on Friday the winds were too strong and I was unable to fly over to the island uh, safely. And moreover, I didn't want to try and land there with a dozen and a half people watching uh, in, you know, 45 mile an hour winds. It was. Yeah, I can see why you wouldn't want to do that. It was pouring out. Um, so I did not do that. Um, so I called Domino's right at four o'clock. And I said, hey, um, I'm not going to be able to make this delivery today. And they were just really great about that. They're like, okay, we can just, we can refund everybody. It was a very single action in their system. And anything that they had already started cooking, they just took and donated to our local police department on the mainland. Wow. Dude, that's so, awesome. I mean, all in all, they've just been really, really great community members. What an incredible like partner too. Like I, I feel like a lot of people think of these you know, chain like pizza places, especially like a Domino's, it's like, ah, it's kind of cheaper food. Like it depends on which one you go to, if it's actually like good quality, things like that. But to do that much community outreach and to help you out so much with 
with this amazing thing that you're doing. I mean, that's awesome. What, what a great partner to have. I actually would, they reached out to me, um, via, I want to say it was their district manager that reached out to me and he was like, are you the guy that was delivering pizzas to Kelly's Island? I'm like, Oh yeah, that's me. He's like, well, great. The owner wants to call you. Um, so the actual local franchise owner, um, got a hold of me and, you know, he just said, Hey, I, you know, really love what you're doing. And, um, you know, I want to help you in that, with that in any way that I can. Um, you know, so one of the things that we did, uh, was we put everybody's order in their own respective oven boxes. And then we just gave those oven boxes to people to take home. So from the time that the food left the restaurant to the time that it got to their home, you know, maybe 45 minutes later, it had been in an oven box the entire time. That food is still getting to their house hot. Um, That's that's incredible to me too, because to be that isolated, but then that, that comfort that a lot of people on the mainland get to enjoy, which is, you know, fresh hot pizza. And I feel like what you're doing and what Domino's is helping you to do is to bring back some sense of normalcy to people who otherwise would, would feel kind of restricted from that. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's a, there's a number of other restaurants that um, I have worked with or will be working with here in the future. Um, But at the end of the day, I mean, I, I got to give it to Domino's. They've, they've just been, they've been great with all this. Um, And it's, I've, I've really enjoyed the process with them. Additionally, uh, the, the other thing they did for last week's delivery was the total amount of sales that we had to the island. They took that number and then dollar for dollar donated that to our uh, local United Way, which was That's awesome. awesome. I, I feel like they've gone above and beyond here. And it's kind of like one of those things where someone does something and then someone else commits to like matching that. I feel like you've taken it on yourself to bring to these people something that they would not normally have access to. And to do something really out of the kindness of your own heart. And Domino's saw that and is just like, yeah, man, we're right up there with you. We're going to support you in that. And we're going to match everything you're doing. So, I mean, what an incredible opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. And um, it's just been really uh, rewarding to see uh, unfold or, or help make yeah, it. Yeah, I'm sure. And you also, uh, you, uh, you're a pretty humble guy. So I'm going to do some bragging for you now. Um, you do charity flights sure. as well. And um, some of the flights that you do are to help out um, different groups. But but one in particular that, that we've had a conversation about um, is uh, the, the charity with the dogs and getting them out of places where they have a, a kill order on them. So could you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So um, I volunteer for an organization called Pilots and Paws. Um, basically... It's a um, it's a charity designed around a forum website um, where people post uh, you know their need to transport a animal from point A to point B um, you know because of a demonstrated need be it the dog is supposed to be put down because of um, you know overfilled shelters or be it the dog was in a uh, abusive home and needs to get to a new foster situation. Um, or one of the recent ones that I did, a dog had, uh, had bitten 
a child because the child had basically yanked its tail and it was just its reaction to bite. But uh, in the state of Michigan, uh, that is means for them to court order the dog to be put down right? Um, or for it to be taken out of the state. So I flew up to Northern Michigan and um, took the dog back to a shelter in Ohio that was going to accommodate it. Um, something that just otherwise couldn't be coordinated. Um, you know, we're, we were talking about probably eight or 10 hours of driving um, versus what I was able to accomplish in about three hours of flying. Wow. I mean, that to me too, like we, we've got the pizza thing and the food thing, which is by itself incredible. And, and you're really doing that out of the kindness of your heart. And it's, it's incredible. But now you're also like, oh yeah, I also like kind of do this other thing where like I help, you know, animals in need. So I feel like you've you've got so much more um, uh, to you than I think somebody would just recognize just, you know, having a quick conversation with you. And and part of the reason why I'm so happy to have you on the show is because you're the exact kind of person that I like to have. You're inspiring, you're doing good things, and there's a lot more to you than, you know, just meets the eye, just having a quick conversation. Um, so I do want to ask you something specific. Sure. When you're transporting a dog mm-hmm. in a plane, okay, there's there's a couple things that I can think of that might go wrong. How do you logistically get a dog from point A to point B in a plane without anything kind of going awry, if, if you catch my trip? So, um, you know, there's a, there's a number of factors to take into account. Um, you know, one thing to keep in mind is sometimes the dogs are extremely anxious or, uh, I remember one specific case. I was taking a dog that was, um, very injured. Uh, it had, uh, leg damage. It had the cone of shame on, it had, uh, probably about 80 staples going up its entire head. Oh, jeez. Um, and a drain tube. Um, so, you know, how can we logistically safely uh transport the dog and and do so without causing um excess distress on the animal really that's one of the reasons that we volunteer to fly them is because you know we can get uh a much longer trip that would be more stressful done in a shorter period of time um one thing that i've used um that that helps a lot is altitude um just a kind of an interesting fact here, uh, 50% of our atmosphere is in the first 18,000 feet of, uh, of ground to sky. Okay. So if I go up to 10,000 or 11,000 feet, um, the air is actually pretty significantly thinner. Um, for me being 20 years old in the, in the prime of my health, it doesn't really bother me, um, but for dogs, um, it creates a pretty immediate drowsy effect. So if I climb up to altitude, uh, normally they're just going to go go to sleep, um, and there's there's no detrimental impact on them. Sure. Um, so that's that's one of the issues. Uh, you know, obviously you've got things like bathroom breaks and any any other number of things, but really that's another thing about the flying, you know, we're just doing this for a couple hours. Um, 
you know, right before they get on the plane, they can use the bathroom. Right after they get off the plane, they can use the bathroom. Uh, depending on the situation, will I crate them or not? Um, there was one time I was flying uh, the smallest plane that I fly, which has two seats, and I had uh, six puppies. Um, <laughs> and uh, I had I had fit a crate in the area behind the seats and had all the puppies in there because six puppies running Henri would be uh, a mess. Um, yeah, I can imagine that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, that's one way that I've dealt with it or, you know, with that injured dog, that was another case in which we kept it created, um, more so, uh, because I didn't want it to be a hazard to itself either. Um, right. But there's other instances where I'm just hauling one dog solo. Um, and you know, it seems like it has a good temper, so I'm comfortable just, uh, letting it letting it sit on the seat next to me, letting it roam about the cabin as it pleases. Um, and most of the time, you know, I can set up a little dog bed in the back and that's just where they'll end up. Sure. Dude, that's, that's incredible. Um, and, and really thank you for doing these things that you do, because I feel like everyone occasionally needs a good story and you've got a lot of them. Um, you know, you, you do a lot for other people. So, and, and animals. So yeah, on behalf of, uh, of everybody thank you for <laughs> being a good dude dude well well thank you for th- thank you for that i guess i, I you know I, <laughs> I i'm hesitant to say you're welcome i think it's just what any decent person would do if they were in my situation and had a little bit of time on their hands yeah dude absolutely so i have a couple quick questions for you we asked these to most of our guests we switched them up a little bit Uh, I just want to see what your responses are, and then uh, we're going to close out the show. So number one, if you were a cocktail, what cocktail would you be, or what would be in you? What would make up you? I'd be an old-fashioned. Okay, good choice. Why would you be an old-fashioned? I'm going to just take this for exactly what it is. You know, I'm I'm just kind of old-fashioned. People have always referred to me as an old soul. and I, I think that's uh, that's that's not a terrible summary. So I'm an old fashioned. There you go. Awesome. Are you a good person, or do you think you're a good person? Um. So you know, I, I was talking about this a little bit earlier before we started the show. Like, I can't put a title on myself, um, but I can actively do everything in my power to be the best possible person every day. Um, and I think I, I make a conscious effort to be a good person. Sure. But, yeah, dude. but at the end of the day, I don't think that I can call myself a good person. I think, uh, I think other people have to be able to make that assessment for themselves. Okay. Very fair. Very fair. And then if this, this is a bit of a sad one, so you got to bear with me. I'll bear with you. All right. If you were on your deathbed right now, so starting off super depressing, if you were on your deathbed right now, what would be your biggest regret or what would you wish that you had done in that time that you had left? Um, I was on my deathbed. What would my regrets be? My knee jerk reaction is that, um, is that I, you know, I don't think I could look back and 
sure, there's things that I've done or things that have happened that I would consider unfortunate, but ultimately those things too have just made me who I am. So I don't know that I could say that I would change anything um, that's happened. So my knee-jerk reaction is uh, nothing. I, I don't think I'd change anything. You know, I, I lived my life to the best of my ability if I was on my deathbed right now. There you go. Awesome. I think that's a perfect way to wrap up the show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. This has been your host, Ben Gardner, and Robbie Quinn, the pilot and unofficial pizza delivery flyer. That is a tongue twister. I'm glad I got that out. Thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you next week. If you want to listen to more episodes, you can do that on our brand new website, www.totspodcast.com. We have every single episode, including this one, and multiple ways to listen or watch, so go check that out. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at TotsCast. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and now on TikTok as well. You can also follow Robbie on TikTok. Robbie, what's your TikTok? Uh, My TikTok is Island Pilot, all one word. Island Pilot. So make sure you go follow Island Pilot on TikTok so you can stay up to date with him. If you want to send a message to the show, if you want to be on the show, know somebody that should be on the show, questions, comments, concerns, hate mail, love mail, whatever you've got for me, you can send that to marketwithben at gmail.com. Thank you guys again so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.